Do you notice you're hungrier when you're tired? Does lack of sleep or poor sleep affect your weight? Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. We live in a world that goes 24-7, which makes it difficult to turn off, doesn't it? Just ahead, let's look at how sleep, or lack of it, could affect your body and your weight. Don't you go anywhere. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Joining me via Skype from the Gold Coast of Australia is our content director and bariatric dietitian, Amanda Clark. Besides keeping the podcast and me on track, you may recall that Amanda has spent 15 plus years helping over 2,000 patients. Creator and author of Portion Perfection Kits for Weight Loss and for Bariatrics, Amanda believes that when you see how much is right to eat and you have practical tools to help you, you gain a much greater understanding of what to do and how to do it. Amanda and I like connecting with you on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Surgery. And did you know we have a private Facebook group called Bariatric Surgery Eating? You can be a part of the group. You can talk about issues that you're facing. You can ask questions to the group. It's a large group, yet a very supportive, and it's a private place to post. Go to Bariatric Surgery Eating and request to join. There are free resources for all members, and this podcast is one of them. Thanks for stopping by, Amanda. Hey, Dr. Susan. Great to be back chatting to you. I know. Amanda, you know, I've wondered how much of the weight problem we have today is influenced by sleep. We're up late. We're on electronic devices. We have 24-hour retail outlets and shopping online, of course. What do you think? Mm, I really think it's a widespread problem. And, you know, it doesn't just affect our arena of weight management, but it's also linked with motor vehicle crashes, human error at work, and probably road rage and other general crankiness in the community. You know, sleep affects our health through things like higher blood pressure, diabetes, depression, cancer, and of course, our area of interest, weight. And then because it affects weight, as your weight goes up, you're more prone to snoring, which not only interferes with your sleep, but also your partner's, and it can be a sign of sleep apnea where you actually stop breathing. Yeah, now sleep apnea is an important problem, and it's definitely worth talking to your doctor if you know that you're a snorer, because you can feel so much better if it's treated. Weight loss is one of the big strategies as part of the treatment. So that's actually sometimes how people end up having bariatric surgery. Well, let's talk about general sleep deprivation and how it does affect weight. Yeah, it actually affects our weight through several pathways, actually. You know, we heard Glenn McIntosh in a previous episode talk about emotional eating. And he said that when you're under stress, you find it harder to make a good decision. Well, being sleep deprived is one of those stresses. So willpower goes down and we fall back onto bad habits. The other thing that happens is we look for reward. So something sweet tasting or high in fat makes us feel a little bit better for the moment. Oh, yes. Comfort food. It calls our name constantly and is right there waiting on us. So besides that comfort food, let's talk about other pathways 
Yeah. Sleep deprivation also plays havoc with our hormones. Um, so it results in an increase in cortisol, which is that stress hormone. And that makes it easier for us to store fat and harder to burn it. It also reduces production of a hormone called leptin. And leptin tells us when we've had enough to eat. Yes, leptin is a hormone that's produced by the fat cells and it's thought to communicate how full those fat cells are. So when you have high fat stores, leptin is released to tell the body, hey, it'd be okay to use up some fat and you can just eat normally. You would think that we could all just inject leptin and that would help us lose weight. And I think perhaps that's what the researchers who discovered it thought, but that the human body is complicated and that didn't work. Yeah. You can see though that if sleep deprivation lowers leptin and then doesn't tell your body that your fat stores are okay and it's okay to burn fat, then the result is that it's going to be easier to store fat and harder to burn fat which could affect weight gain. So I don't want to go too deeply into hormones because they can be really confusing, but there is another hormone that is affected by sleep deprivation too. Yeah, that's ghrelin. Ghrelin is produced by the stomach and it sends the message to say that we're hungry. So it's like your stomach is growling, growling ghrelin. This one's actually quite interesting. So. The research shows that sleep deprivation makes you produce more of the ghrelin hormone, so it makes you feel hungry. I find it interesting because initially this is how we thought that bariatric surgery worked, particularly the sleeve gastrectomy, that the part of your stomach that produced ghrelin had been removed, so therefore you wouldn't be hungry anymore. Yes, that makes sense, but, always a but. Yeah, yeah but... It doesn't seem to quite work perfectly like that. Some studies show a reduction in ghrelin for up to two years after surgery. But after that, uh, it's possible our bodies are finding a way to make it again, which could explain the weight regain that you see a couple of years down the track. So we really need a lot more research in this area, which means we'll have more to share with you down the track. So you just have to keep listening. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think when I attend the bariatric surgery conferences this year, I'll be looking out for an expert who can clarify their understanding of this for me so that I can pass that on to everybody. Yeah, that's a great idea. So anyway, not getting enough sleep does play havoc with your appetite hormones. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting research on sleep. And one study showed that people who are sleep deprived ate more late night snacks and particularly high carbohydrate snacks. Oh yes, I read that research too. And I can imagine that happening if you're up late and up late regularly. Yeah. Another found that snacks chosen by insomniacs had double the fat of those who slept for eight hours a night. And yet another found that enough, that not enough sleep led to eating bigger portions so when you put all that together, you've got bigger portions, you've got more calorie dense options, and you're eating more often. And that's got to push you over your calorie needs. Absolutely. So let's just go back to sleep for a minute and talk about how much sleep is suggested. What do we really need each night? Hmm. Well, the recommendation is seven to nine hours. I have to say, though, that I did see a report on the 
sleep habits of some of the most effective people in the world in Forbes magazine. And most of them slept less than that. So there certainly are some people like Richard Branson, for example, goes to bed apparently about midnight and gets up between 5 and 6 a.m. daily. And Barack Obama reportedly sleeps from 1 a.m. until 7 a.m. And they both happen to be particularly lean. I do know, though, that only, a, only certain people genetically are prone to increased appetite from lack of sleep. There's actually been a gene identified. It's called the FTO gene. And people who have two copies of a particular version, so they get a, a bad version of that from their mother and another one from their father, they're the most strongly affected by lack of sleep, really increases their appetite. And, you know, I think it does tend to be the majority of people or more people that when they're sleep deprived do crave carbs or fat or turn to food or comfort food and that they're less of the Richard Branson's, for example. They tend to be the anomalies, if you will. Yeah, and I guess they're, they're obviously very effective people anyway. And so, yeah, there's probably something to that. Interesting. Okay, so if we know we don't feel refreshed by sleep or we're not getting enough sleep, what can we do to improve that and get more, deeper, better sleep? Well, firstly, I'd avoid screen time for at least an hour before bed. So TV, computer, iPad, phone, switch it off. I, I agree. It seems that the light from these devices may affect production of melatonin or prevent quality sleep in some yet in some way we yet know what the what's behind that so for sure turning those off and that's hard that's hard it's a, it is these days isn't it um, sleep centers even suggest not reading in bed but keeping bed just for sleep and intimacy not work or entertainment yes and i've even heard it said to not put a TV in the bedroom because then you won't be tempted to lie in your bed and just watch TV for hours at the end. So I think all that's good advice. And you know what? I like rituals and routine and they're part of my habits. They work for me. Yeah. Creating a ritual is really valuable in so many areas of our life. Our bodies respond really well to routine. You know, it's a bit like trying to put a child to bed. If you're playing games and you're jumping around and eating, if you put the child to bed and think they're going to fall to sleep straight away, you're mistaken. You know, <laughs> if you have a ritual, if you make a ritual of food, preparation for bed, whether that's a bath or a shower, getting changed into pajamas, maybe a warm drink, some quiet time, and then to bed, you've got a much better chance of success. I agree. And, you know, I'm thinking of another group this is an issue for. This can really be hard for shift workers to try and keep a ritual because they're often working through the night and then they just need to go straight to bed and then they may be off shift for a week and then back on it. I think that's a tough uh, group for ritual. Oh, very tough. You know, shift workers notoriously have trouble sleeping and trouble with weight management. I think there are a few components to that and sleep is definitely one of them. Right, I agree and many sleep experts 
think it's a good idea to get up at the same time every day, even including weekends. Okay, did you hear that? Even including weekends, because I know that many of us say, well, I'll just make up for it this coming weekend. So what do you say about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I find that really hard too. I like to sleep in on the weekends. The sleep centers do seem to say that, yes, you're best to get up at the same time on the weekends. And food-wise, some might find that it's beneficial not to consume any caffeine after 2 p.m. because it stays in your system for five to six hours. And that's also a genetic thing, you know, how quickly you break down caffeine. So it's not necessary for everyone, but I know if I were to have a decent dose of caffeine during the afternoon, and that includes chocolate, I can forget about sleep. There's also benefit, though, in consuming particular foods that contribute to the production of melatonin or actually contain melatonin. Ooh, yes, let's list those foods because I think this is surprising to many people. Yeah, well, melatonin is actually in all plant foods in small amounts. The best sources seem to be bananas, cherries, oranges and tomatoes, walnuts, oats and barley. And grapes also contain melatonin and therefore wine does. But studies looking at the effect of wine on melatonin have been mixed. But you can see that just eating a more plant-based diet can potentially improve your sleep. Yeah, because you've increased your intake of melatonin. And I think that's really fascinating. Well, we've talked about sleep before because you and I both suffer from jet lag when we travel. Mm, yeah. As you know, I come to the States every year for the big conferences. And that first year, I was just pacing around my hotel room, bouncing off the walls all night. But I met a really interesting lady at the conference that I attended who was studying sleep. And she taught me about jet lag. And what I learned was that to sleep, I needed total darkness. And that was what I hadn't done that first time, you know. I was so concerned that once I got to sleep, I just might sleep forever. And so I didn't close the heavy hotel curtains just in case I overslept. You know, I wanted this rising sun to wake me up. Um, and I certainly did see the sun come up, but I hadn't been to sleep at all. <laughs> I was just going to say, but not by choice. <laughs> yeah, I think I actually fell asleep about 9 a.m. that morning. And then I was woken up at 10 a.m. by a full-on American parade out on the street. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> It was a good introduction to America anyway. But since then, if there is no blackout curtains, I wear an eye mask, you know, one of those things you get on the plane. Yes, absolutely. And, and I do the same. The I think really, that's smart. Yeah. The other really important part is to get out into the sunlight in the morning to help to reset your clock that now it's daytime. I agree. And, you know, I started using some of the jet lag apps and that helps too. Okay, let's talk very briefly about medications. Yeah, we probably should leave medications to a discussion between you and your doctor, really. Um, melatonin is available as a su supplement and it's considered safe. It is the hormone that your body produces naturally. It's not available over the counter in Australia, but you can buy it in the US. Um, you can get it on prescription in Australia, I believe. 
Yeah. Okay. Let's leave that between you and your doctor, because I do agree. You have to look at your personal situation, the medications you're already taking, your health considerations, et cetera. But if you think sleep is part of the problem for you, cut out that screen time before bed, ditch the caffeine by early afternoon, create a bedtime ritual and make the room really dark or wear a mask as well as getting out into the sun early in the morning. You may just find these simple changes could make all the difference for your sleep and your weight. Amanda, these have been terrific tips. I, I, thanks for taking the time today to stop by and talk sleep, something many of us can relate to. Yeah, my pleasure. It's so important to hear about all the issues you can face and what you can do about them to stay empowered and move on. Don't forget to subscribe to our Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast if you haven't already on your favorite podcatcher like iTunes or Google Play. And if you need help, you can go to beyondbariatricsurgery.com. We'll show you how. It's super easy. Also, check out the great online courses we offer you at beyondbariatricsurgery.com. You can surround yourself with positive ideas and like-minded people and really focus on a particular topic for six weeks or more. It's a great way to stay motivated and you may just have the opportunity to speak directly with some of our experts via a Facebook group. I'll bet there's a course starting soon and it might be just what you need. So where's that information? Beyondbariatricsurgery.com. And your support of our courses, our products and supplements enables us to bring you the best podcast possible and we appreciate you very much. Beyond Bariatric Surgery is produced and owned by Practicalories LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the hosts, Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalories, LLC.